Welcome to the Point of Convergence podcast. I am your host, Grant Lira. Get ready to sit down, tune in, and implement. Remember, the knowledge you learn here and anywhere else in your life is only worth something to you if you use it. So get implementing after this episode and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Remodeling Millionaires. Today, we are joined by Jonah Cantor of Cantor Construction. So, Jonah, happy to have you on the show, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it, Grant. It's a, it's a good thing to come on here, and I uh, appreciate you uh, letting me kind of sit down and talk to you a little bit about uh, the construction industry. Absolutely, brother. It's our pleasure. And we were talking a little bit. Uh, you just got back into the States not too long ago here. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things like you, you uh, in the construction industry, you're always constantly working and it feels like you can never put the phone down and never go on vacation. Um, and uh, luckily, I'm married to an awesome woman who said, I get it. Go with your boys down to Mexico, go duck hunting, <laughs> get it out of your system. So, uh, yeah, we were down in uh, San Fernando uh, duck hunting redheads and pintails and just getting a little R&R you know, away from uh, all the craziness that's construction. But uh, the the scary part about being down there is, you know, you don't really have great cell phone service and internet. So while we were having a great time hunting, you know, something in the back of my mind was always like, is the house on fire? Is there anything I need to worry about? Uh, and luckily none of that honestly happened, but uh, definitely coming back uh, through Matamoros and into um, Brownsville when the when the phone started going ding, 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 I was like, oh, it's it's on like Donkey Kong again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure a lot of people kind of resonate with that because you take you take some time off, whether it be, you know, just kind of at your place you live or on vacation, but you still have access to all that stuff. And it's really, really, really tempting to still do it at the end of the night, you know, or maybe in the morning you wake up and you want to see what's going on in your phone. I know a lot of people, myself included, are like, if I have Wi-Fi and I have my phone on me, like I'm going to be doing oh, yeah. some aspect to work, even if I'm trying to hide it from people, do it all sneaky like, but yeah, no, that's really cool. So, you know, it's, I, think this- one, I think it's one of those things that a lot of people forget is like, as a business owner, you're always on, right. You're so you have to triage, you know, when you go, go be on vacation, don't yep. neglect your family, go have fun, but you do have to triage that email is not important. That can wait, that can wait, that can wait you know, and go from there. It's one of the main reasons why I actually don't put on an autoresponder because I think it's kind of lazy in a way. Like I will, I'd rather respond to somebody and tell them exactly what I'm doing and when I'm going to come back, which I know to an effect an autoresponder responder does, but I think on a more personal level, somebody knowing directly, if it's something important you need to, mm. you know, to, uh, to talk about, then they get a direct email from you. But nonetheless, it was great. And here I am back in the States talking to you. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're back. And you know, kind of curious because now you're you're heading back in here. You've been doing this for a while, but give me a give me a rundown. Give me kind of a, a sixty second snippet of like where you're at, what you're focusing on right now, and what that looks like. Yeah, so we're based out of Charleston, South Carolina, which is um, you know a super hot city in the South um, for construction and just uh, population growth. A lot of the people, you know, with what's been going on with COVID and. New York and California, New England, those areas, those people are escaping super high taxes, lockdowns, all that stuff. Um, coming into the Charleston area, which is extremely bucolic, awesome city, great uh, culinary city. It's got all of the, the temptations, you know, the beaches, the food, all of that. Um, and for a lot of these people, they're escaping, you know, high property taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, some people in New York are paying upwards of 20 grand a year. They come down here, they pay two. 
Um, so they'll buy a house and want to fix it up or whatnot. So um, what we've been focusing on and seeing a huge, huge explosion is in specifically in remodeling. Um, I never really wanted to get into custom home building. It's uh, it sounds cheesy, but it's very easy to do. Remodeling is hard. Um, I feel like uh, remodeling is kind of like one of those shows where you, you have some dude, it's like, well, it looks like me all burly and you know, long <laughs> hair and they dress them up and cut their hair. And it's like, whoa, that dude's a new guy. That's, that's remodeling to me. It's like, I find it sexy in the sense of you can take something that essentially is a turd and then all of a sudden make it into something that's someone's dream and, and beautiful. So back to us, we've been focusing, hyper-focusing on the remodeling aspects from kitchens and bathrooms uh, to full gut and interior remodels to doing additions, screen porches and whatnot. And um, I couldn't have picked a better time or area uh, to be in um, with just the explosive growth, uh, you know, that we've seen in Charleston so far. Yeah, and you know, that's, I think that rings true to a lot of people because you're seeing a ton of people migrate, migrate out of states that have like that higher income tax right now, whether it be like a, you know, on the East Coast or on the West Coast, but they're moving places that they want to, they don't want to pay that 20 grand a year, whatever it is, because uh, who does, right? So Charleston, South Carolina, cool location. Now, have you always lived there? Is that where you're from? Yeah, so I grew up uh, an hour north from here in a place called Columbia. That's where I grew okay. up um, from from uh, basically six months old through high school. Um, all of my mom and dad's family and all my cousins, aunts, grandmas, all that are, are from down here. So it was a real easy ploy to go from Columbia to here. And, and if you people who are from South Carolina will appreciate this next comment. My mom always said the only difference between hell and Columbia is a screen door um, because Columbia <laughs> is kind of basically the middle of the state. It's hotter than hell. There's not a whole lot to do. Sorry, Columbia people, if you hear this and you're pissed at me, but oh, well, it is what it is. There's a reason why Sherman burned Columbia, got to Charleston, said that place is too, too beautiful. We're going to leave it. So uh, yeah, it, it was a natural migration for me to come down here. Um, the same reason why a lot of people from out of state are moving down here. I just kind of fell in love with the city, planted my roots here and, and uh, have been here for, gosh, come on, I think upwards of 20 years now I've been down here. So yeah, totally. So you've been you've been down in South Carolina and then you moved down uh, over to Charleston. Now, within that, like when did the remodeling start You know, happening? When did you say, OK, I want to do my remodeling company? Well, it was, uh, it was, it was, I had a weird transition. I'd always worked in high school and, you know, different, um, different areas of construction here or there. Um, I ended up after college going down and working on boats in Florida, which by the way, if you have a name like Jonah, it's extremely hard to get a job on a boat because everybody's like, you're cursed, right? So <laughs> I learned real quick that that, that was probably not going to be, I'm never going to be a boat captain named Jonah. <laughs> But uh, came back to Charleston, um, kind of made my way back through Florida, just, you know, being a young kid, you know, trying to figure life out. And my brother-in-law actually um, said, hey, I got a job in a shipping department of this startup company. The two guys are going hiking out in Cal uh, to Colorado. Do you want to take over? And I was like, yeah. And I think back then it was like 12 or $14 an hour. And I was like, yeah, you know, I got a job. That was the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I worked with that company um, and ended up, it was called Book Surge. And uh, I worked my way up through the production facility from, from the shipping department, um, you know, on to uh, doing stuff within the operations group. And uh, I'm the kind of guy, you give me a shovel and you tell me to dig, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig you the best hole you've ever seen. I just always have been super motivated to learn and, and do the best I can. Uh, Amazon ends up buying the company. Um, and then uh, I kept on with them and was helping them open up facilities in uh, the Netherlands, 
and back stateside. Anyways, fast forwarding through all that, it gave me a huge, huge education in uh, business and Amazon's tactics of how they do things. Um, and so when I came back, had enough of Amazon after a while. It's a meat grinder for the most part. Um, and uh, around this time, it was like 2008. So I decided to start a uh, cabinet company with it. Okay. Anybody knows about 2008, 2009, not a great time to get into a cabinet company or, or construction. Um, and so I, I piddled around with that for a little while. And then the same guys who um, had started a book surge, I saw them on the street one day and they were like, oh, wow you need to come with us and uh, we're, we're doing another uh, software startup. And so I'm not trying to be long winded, but I was with nope. that software startup and kept my uh, cabinet company kind of sort of dormant, but was um, at that time engaging in the next two or three years with a, a contractor and saying, Hey, as this, as this starts to, you know, this downturn starts to go up again, um, we need to be right, you know, there in the middle of it. And so uh, we just slowly started growing the business. I was working for the software all the while that I grew the construction. So it took a lot of pressure off of me as far as, you know, where my money was coming from and whatnot and allowed me to, you know, slowly grow the business. Um, and it just grew to the point where it got so big that I ended up leaving the software company to 100% focus on construction. So nice. And you said, you said you've, you're the guy with the shovel, you're digging the best hole. Like that motivation, has that always been with you since you grew up? Is that something that you kind of had to get in the mindset for? Because I know a lot of people struggle uh, with motivation sometimes. You know, it's less common in business owners, but obviously uh, you get burnt out. Like everybody gets burnt out. So, I mean, how are you, you kind of keeping that head and keeping that head space of like, I'm doing this and I'm going to do it right? I, man, I'm, everybody's different, right? Some people learn things, uh, some things you're just born with. And I think for me, honestly, I'm not like Pat my own bag. I think I was kind of born with that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, a story that comes to mind from my youth is I was in third grade and I wanted to, uh, to get a Super Nintendo back in the day. And I told my parents, hey, I want this for my birthday. My dad said, and mom said, we don't get you what you want, we get you what you need. You know, you need soccer cleats, you need this. Um, you know, and so I was like, well, damn it, I want, I want a Super Nintendo. So <laughs> I like, I like mold on it for a little bit. And I told my parents, we lived on three acres. I said, Hey, can I have a birthday party? They said, sure. And I said, can I invite whoever I want? And they said, yeah. So I ended up inviting like the entire third grade class. And I wrote uh -huh. and wrote um, little invitations. And when I handed it to the kids, I said, just give me money. That's all I want. Just give me cash. Right. So fast forward to the birthday party. And it looks like a mafia wedding where there's like all these envelopes and then one of the dumbass kids had put like a you know some kind of toy i didn't even care about i was like what is this guy you're not getting invited back next time um and we have the birthday party and uh we get through it and we open up and i had like 300 dollars. and my dad was like wow you did really well like what are you gonna do with this money and uh i'm gonna show my age because toys r us was not around here but oh, i man. said i said you're taking me to lionel's play world and i'm getting a super <laughs> nintendo and my dad was like it's your money man you can do with it what you want <laughs> The whole idea of the story is like, uh, you know, I've always been determined to go out and get something, you know, by hell or high water. I was going to, yeah. I wanted to figure a way around, you know, getting that Super Nintendo. And so I think for a lot of people, you're born with that, that motivation, um, the struggle for, for keeping that high level of attention. Um, you know, everybody gets their highs and lows. You have a bad client experience or something, you know, just doesn't go right with your business. And you have to realize that that's just one tiny segment moment in time. And you just push past it and think about the 50 other times that are great. And so some of that is taught 
um, taught or learned and other, you know, bits of that, like I said, you know, I think you're just kind of born with the, the mentality to keep on pressing forward and, and going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too is definitely learned, like feeling that through the experience of the ups and the downs, like the longer you're in the game of, you know, interior remodeling or whatever game you're in, uh, you'll, you'll feel those different ups and downs and you'll understand a little bit more how you deal with them versus somebody else, you know, telling you that. And, you know, I think, like I said before, a lot of people are definitely pretty motivated um, in this field. You almost have to be uh, to make it, but that's cool. And now fast forwarding a little bit here back from your, your birthday party with the super Nintendo to more, <laughs> more recently. So you guys started as cabinets. Now, when did the interior remodeling stuff come into play? So obviously 2008, 2009, I was like, oh, there's no way we're going to be making money in this. Um, and so we kind of said, well, how do we, how do we, I, I did not want to pay for leads. Yeah. Um, I wanted to spend as little mo as money as possible. And I wanted to obviously get as many leads as possible. So it literally dawned on me. Uh, my wife used to be a real estate agent and it dawned on me one day sitting on the couch, in my underwear. I was like, God, we have like, you can throw a dart in Charleston and, and anywhere for that matter and find a real estate agent. And I was like, they make their emails publicly available. So I don't have to pay for some kind of listserv or something, you know, to grab it. And then I was like, well, this is great. Cause in, 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 and I had just gone through a real estate transaction. We had sold my wife's condo. And I said, you know, in any kind of real estate transaction, you have uh, a real estate agent on either side, and then you usually have a couple on either side. So in total, you have six total people, you know, in a real estate transaction. Well, the other thing in real estate transactions is there's always uh, a repair addendum or down here, and this may be different, you know, by where you live uh, in your geography, we have something called a CL100. Uh, it, it looks to protect people and the mortgage companies against uh, rot and mildew and things like that. So you can't go through with your mortgage if you don't pass the CL100. It requires a licensed contractor to sign off on it. Mm. So I was looking at all this and I said, we have six captive heads in, in one transaction there's these real estate repairs that need to be done. And a lot of them are like the, you know, the, I mean, some of them were as easy as changing out a light bulb. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Door latches and you know, changing out a garbage disposal. So what I did was I went in and I said, all right, we've got, this is an easy way to get our name out. So I went and I uh, harvested with a 12 pack of beer and, and a, an Excel spreadsheet on my couch uh, as many of the publicly available um, real estate agent emails, and I grouped them by the different offices they were in. Um, and then from there, I just wrote them, you know, direct emails that said, hey, my name is Jonah, Cantor Construction. Um, we're licensed contractors that can take care of your CL100, your repair addendums, um, anything you want, you know. And, and then I kind of sort of lied and said, you know, we've worked with others in your office. <laughs> you know, keeping it familiar, yeah. whether they vetted that or not, it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. Put them at ease. Um, yeah. And I must've sent out and forgive me on the metrics. I wrote an article yeah. that had the actual numbers, but I must've sent out like a thousand, 1200 emails. And I think I got something like 60 back, 50 back, something like that. And out of those uh, that said, Hey, you know, we'd like to, sounds good. I'll reach out. And then out of those, there was probably about 15, um, that said, here, I'll give you a shot. And here's an address and a repair addendum. And then if you, you know, trickle down, we got to about six or seven agents that we worked with on the regular from that. And uh, if you look at statistics, it's actually a really good number. You think a thousand down to like seven, uh, you know, for sweat equity, it wasn't bad. And what we saw 
that came out of just, you know, working with the agents and, and getting these repair addendums is you had that captive audience with a high margin repair. They've got to get the, the, the repairs done. Uh, a lot of people are willing to, you know, because they're having a $500,000 transaction. What do they mm -hmm. care about a $3,000 repair addendum? Make it go away. Um, and so you had that, which was kind of a, an easy sales pitch. You know, there was no sales pitch, really. It was get it done or you don't close. And, and then what happened also back to the six individuals that were a part of this, you know, you had the, the buyers and the sellers who would contact me after and say, hey, you fixed the items on my house I just sold. We're buying a new house. Can you do this deck? Right. So what it did was it had kind of exploded or expanded um, organically the leads and, and I didn't have to pay for them essentially. So I was just, you know, going off left and right. And the real estate people were calling me, Oh, somebody else worked with uh, you in our office. And so that was the Genesis, if you will, of starting in, um, remodeling. It was kind of happenstance. It really was in repairs. And then it started to expand into bigger and bigger things as, as, uh, yeah. as the company grew. And Jonah, that's really cool because that's like, that's some outside of the box thinking like there. I, I like that a lot. And then what you said there was so true. Like you did the, you know, you did the repairs, uh, real estate agents closed. And then those homeowners already knew you somewhat, you know, they were already somewhat familiar with you. They saw the work you do. They saw you in their, in their new home. And, you know, yeah, man, I mean, that's, that's pretty easy because they are, they don't want to go out, look for a, a contractor, sift through, you know, all these guys and they, they know you, they know your company does great work and you got them just like yeah. that. And the thing I, I think most of the guys and, and ladies out there in contract and should understand is like, I'm not a big fan of these lead generation services. Um, they just stack crap on top of crap. And it's, you know, they're all about, oh, you got to buy these chits. And then this is how many chits for a lead. And, and then it's not a, a, a qualified lead. And it just, it, it, they're all predicated on making money. And I get it. But for the everyday guy or girl who's out there trying to, you know, get work done, I've just, I've always been anti those guys. Like uh, they just don't really do well for you. Now I've heard of other people that have had some success. Now they are in niche areas. Like, you know, I'm a fence builder or a deck builder. Well, okay, that's fine. You know, and they're usually like a one hand, one hammer. They're not building a business. Um, and so for them buying these leads, it kind of makes sense because, uh, it's easy. They don't really want to do what the hard work that we're doing in the back end to find out how to, you know, organically get leads and not pay for it. So, um, not a hundred percent bad mouthing them, but for a business that's trying to grow, uh, it's, I just not a big fan of them. Yeah. And I, and I know who you're talking about. We won't like put them on blast here, but no, I yeah. know I didn't want to do that because they do have their purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a lot of the times, you know, it's, it's funny because it, look so good on paper like those services but then you actually get into the practice of it and they're sharing a lot of leads they're definitely like a lot of leads aren't qualified they're not picking up the phone if they're real at all and at the end of the day you still have to pay for that and when you're starting your business like that is such a sunk cost and that will put you guys at so much of a uh it, it, just beyond financially just mentally like thinking about all that stuff and then from experience going through their camps they don't make it easy to get out either but yeah, no, at all. Yeah, but definitely. So um, there's just there's just different avenues that somebody. It depends on where you are in your company. Like if you're in a, an established company and you want to grow 15, percent then go to one of those aforementioned companies and grow it by that 15. percent I got it. You're willing. To, you know what your marketing budget is. Yeah. You can cap it. You can deal with it. But for somebody who literally is like, I just left my job. 
I'm starting this. Oh crap. I am now a business owner. It's that adds a layer of stress you don't need to have. And you can do a bunch of sweat equity stuff to mitigate those costs. Um, you know, like I said, through sweat equity. And so that avenue is better for somebody just starting out. Totally, totally a hundred percent. And then let's talk about this too, Jonah. So you're, you're doing this now. We're, we're moving along in the timeline. You told me something kind of cool about HGTV. Uh, I think people are going to want to hear a little bit about that. So why don't you why don't you share how that kind of came to fruition? Well, one day I was literally sitting in my office and I thought it was BS, but I got this email that said, uh, and I'm not going to mention any of the uh, the production company's names, but they basically said, "Hey, you know, we're interested in uh, finding contractors in the area to shoot, you know, a sizzle reel or home improving," and. Uh, Usually I just skip through those, but yeah. I was like, you know what? Let me just fire off. <laughs> and, uh, so this this company like responded back and said, "Hey, let's do a you know a Skype." At the time, Zoom wasn't really yeah, that big. Yeah, yeah. yeah, let's do a, a Skype and you know see what kind of personality you have because 100% of TV is personality. You know, the rest of it is all like pause. All right, then say this. You know, so whether they like it or not, they're, they're kind of staged in a way. Um, <laughs> So anyways, we got through all the Skype uh, calls. Um, I had uh, my two project managers, they, they, they interviewed them on Skype and they're like, man, we like it. Um, send it off. And at the time, I think HGTV was the network that was basically, what they do is they send out feelers and say, this is what we're looking for. Um, and then some people put together like a little Skype sizzle, send it to them. And then they go, all right, we like this group, this group, and this group, go make a sizzle reel. So they, we got selected as part of that. And uh, it was a great experience. It was three days of 16 hour a day, uh, wow. just trying to keep a company rolling. By the way, with my project managers not on the projects, right. showing up for certain parts of the shoot, um, always being in front of the camera. Um, it was fun. I loved it. It was such <laughs> a great experience because I'd never done anything like that before. But it really did show me like, um, if you were to do something like that full time, it, it can be stressful um, and it can have great benefits to your company, but also, um, you know, it can, it can really have some issues with your quality of life if you're working 14, 16 hours a day. But anyways, we shot an excellent sizzle reel, the production company, um, phenomenal that did it. Um, and, you know, if anybody knows anything about, you know, TV, movies and Hollywood, it's a real thin line between those that make it and those that don't. And uh, we got, you know, to the kind of the, the final line and they said, yeah, we love this. We just don't know where to put them. And then that was it. Um, put them in the lineup, I guess. And I think at the time they already had some bearded dudes, so they probably didn't want to go. <laughs> Him and his wife are on there now, so he must be better looking than I am. But but uh, but no, uh, it was such a great experience um, because, you know, not a lot of people get to say they, they did that, but also kind of started in the back of the mind. Do I want to do this? Like, yes, we get it. If you can have your own paint line and be doing ads for Lowe's, you know, that's fine. But how do you how did I, I had to restructure my company for three days? I couldn't imagine doing that for six weeks shoot like mm -hmm. it would take a lot. So great experience. I loved it. Um, never made it to TV, so to speak, but um, who knows, maybe one day. <laughs> it, it's just kind of cool too, because like put myself in your shoes, like getting that email, I'd probably see that and be like, oh, okay. So this person wants 20 grand for me to get on HGTV, whatever the case is, but that, that it's a cool story. And like, yeah, a lot of people don't realize the, uh, the production and like what goes into all that stuff. But then, like you said too, just the actual 
stress that it puts on you because you are quite literally always being watched and like every little thing you do you're thinking like man my shirt tucked in am i looking all right like even more than that imagine imagine that you have to you repeat a line about you're with a a client like blah 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 and this is going to be uh you know three columns here and this and they go cut 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 jonah um the audio messed up can you repeat that again four times imagine it's like i don't even it's not scripted (laughs) I don't even remember what I said. And so you're sitting there going, what did I say? Oh yeah, close enough. I'm do this. So it's a, uh, yeah, it just, it's a, it's cool. I'm glad that I did it. Uh, maybe in the future we'll do it again, but who knows? That, no, that that's a super cool experience. And you know, in this field, it's cool too, because like everybody knows HGTV, everybody's seen the home remodeling. Like I know a lot of people watch it. Uh, you know, my mother, she, she loves that. She watched that all the time, but it's cool just to say like, yeah, we were part of that. We, we did it and it was definitely an experience to say the least. So checking this out too. So now you're, we're kind of moving forward from your prospecting. You've got your prospects now. How are you guys, what's your typical sales process look like? You know, as soon as somebody finds you or gets referred to you, uh, what happens next for you guys? Well, I'll explain that, but I want to circle back yeah. as, as the press secretary would say um, to, <laughs> the, uh, to, um, to reviews, because that's really where it starts is how do you get the leads in? But uh, once we have somebody that comes into our, our website or calls us, essentially we set up, um, I talk to them, first of all, on the phone. I try to answer the phone. When somebody calls, I try to answer it. When somebody emails, I try to turn it around in literally less than three, three or four hours because uh, it's a captive audience. If you don't respond to them as quickly as possible, they're going down a list on the web and they'll call the next person, next person until, you know, they fill up the, you know, the time slots they want to meet with you and, and you can get left out in the cold. So I always feel like communicating fast and effectively and getting these people um, into a in-person meeting is important. Um, so that's part of, uh, I think, closing the deal. But from there, what we do is we set up an in, uh, in-house meeting or not in-house, excuse me, on-site meeting, I should say. Um, and um, that's where I show up and go over the entire project with them. Um, and this could be anything from a remodel to a kitchen, a bath, uh, to a full on addition. Um, transversely, the other thing that I do is after that meeting, um, I set um, the expectation in that meeting. Here's mm-hmm. some things I want you to know. My estimate is going to be line items. So you can see where every uh, dollar essentially is being spent. Um, I'm going to get back to you in one week or less, depending on the size of the job, obviously smaller ones, I can get back sooner, but I tell them when I'm going to get back to them. Um, and then I joke and say, we pick up our phones and, you know, answer all the calls and we have all our teeth. So we've got that going for us in the South, um, which obviously, obviously gets a laugh, but, uh, but no, we try to, at every aspect of it, I think it's about closing that sales cycle as fast as possible, fast and effectively as possible. Um, I've always told people, you can tell by the way a contractor treats you at the very beginning of the process as to how he or she is going to treat you during the process. If they ghost you, don't show up for a meeting or they're 30 minutes late and don't give you a call or anything, that's going to carry on through your entire project. So really, you know, watching what a contractor does, how they act um, at the front end is important for homeowners because that is, you know, essentially how they're going to be treated throughout the process. So. And then from there, you know, it's all about just essentially answering any further questions, closing the deal and, and getting them into a contract. And, you know, it's it's really cool because you get back to people quickly, which is super important. You need to, because like you said, yes, they're absolutely going down a list. They're absolutely looking at other people. Um, but beyond that, I really, really, really like the fact that you said you set those expectations 
and you let them know what to expect from you moving forward because that kind of you know expectation setting in that initial meeting uh, really sets up that foundation where you guys are you know the leaders you guys are saying hey look here's what you can expect from us here's what will happen um, this is you know kind of how everything's going to lay out and then from the beginning that just gives them more structure because if they have you know some other um, Joe Snuffy contractor come in and he says yeah I'll probably get this done in a week too I think Maybe. I should be all right. yeah, yeah whenever, <laughs> whenever it's whenever it's cool for me to do it um and then you come in right after and say yeah get this back to you in a week or less um you know I'll have this out I'll have every single thing uh car part um line you know so you see exactly where all the the money's being spent like just like that super transparent super easy to understand and most importantly they leave that initial meeting not feeling uncertain, feeling pretty certain about exactly what they're getting because you laid it out. And that expectation setting, I mean, you know, people look at you guys as leaders when they're when you're in their homes because, you know, they don't they don't know the construction game. They don't know the remodeling game. And so you come in here and at first kind of a little bit of like a, a standoff almost where they're trying to see like if you're the real deal, if you're like the yeah. guy who's going to show up on time, all that stuff. And it's important. Well, the industry doesn't do any of us good guys any favors. I mean, it's just rot with guys who come in, take your money, don't show up, do things piss poor. I mean, and so, you know, it's like a lot of the times you, you're like entering, you know, the Thunderdome with a client to begin with. And I, I hated that because, you know, I mean, you could see I'm covered. I got a big beard. I look like an oil rig guy, you know, like, so right <laughs> off the bat, I fit the whole construction narrative, but I, I'm not that way. And so, you know, when I first started in, it's like, I've coined it construction therapy. You know, you've got to go in there and kind of say, Hey, let me lay the land for you, show you what it's going to be like, how the process is, how other people do it. And let me surprise you when we do it right. Um, and, and that's a, that's a great, you know, backtrack to the, uh, to the reviews. I don't have to do that anymore for meetings. I mean, I have 137 five-star reviews. Doesn't seem like a lot. If you're a restaurant, you should have like a thousand, right. But for a construction company, that is a ton. In fact, in the Charleston area, the closest guy to me commercially or residentially has 60. And these aren't, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, thing where I'm like paying people in India and China to write fake reviews. These are real people. Some of them almost like writing this huge diatribe about how great of an experience. Um, what that does for me and my company is uh, people, I saw this transition where people were like, man, we've seen your website. We've read your reviews. We want to work with you. And I was, first time that was told of me, I went, holy cow, like I've done it because they said they yep. wanted to work with me. Yep. And uh, it gets to be one of those symbiotic relationships where we should always want to work together, the client and, and the contractor. So, you know, really pumping up and getting, you know, knocking people out of the, the, the project out of the park, creating great expectations and great experiences for people relates to great reviews, which as it trickles down relates to people wanting to work with you. And it's such a, I think something that a lot of contractors who are listening to this can really uh, uh, do well by is to focus on the reviews. But in order to focus on the reviews, you have to focus on the quality of your product. So it's not like you just ask for a review and get it. You have to have it fundamentally set up and, and, and do it every time systematically so that when it comes to review time, you get a solid review and you rinse, wash, repeat. And again, you don't, people are organically coming into my website rather than me having to pay for a bunch of leads. So. And that's cool because I, you know, when it, speaking from my own experience, you know, the first time you hear that, like we, we read your reviews, we saw you online, you know, we heard you uh, 
worked really well for one of our friends or our partners like that's surreal because in a way you're like wow I I did just kind of like make it like we've proved ourselves to other people and now the word's starting to spread and like that feels awesome like that's a really good feeling and uh you know more importantly like that's business that you don't have to market for. Like you already did your marketing by just being a, uh, you know, a good person and actually doing the job that you were paid to do and do it really well. And, you know, that pays off a lot of times. And it's funny too, because like with reviews, getting that process in place, a lot of people don't have it. And if you don't have that consistent process of getting those reviews, you're never going to, uh, you're never going to know, you might know what it feels like eventually, but you'll never know, you know, faster because you're not, you're not asking. A lot of people just don't, don't ask. And now maybe when you're starting out, don't ask for every review. Cause I'm sure in the beginning, you're going to run into some, some homeowners who are a little bit difficult, uh, but having that process of, Hey, you know, if you liked what we do, uh, we well, really appreciate a review from you guys. It's a, it's a great point. I mean, one thing I jokingly say uh, is I'm nice to a lot of people that don't deserve it. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, there's a lot of people out there that are just, you're never, I don't care how, I mean, how nice of a guy you are or a girl you are, woman you are, you're never going to make them happy. They're just going to be angry. They hate the world. You know, they're dog yeah. bit. I don't know. I mean, every contractor has come across them. However, those are anomalies in my world. They happen. Don't worry. They happen still. But again, it's like the when you get all these reviews and you do stuff so well and you set the expectations before they even meet you, I end up meeting so many awesome people. Um, I had a client the other day that uh, he wrote me an email and he's like, hey, I just the reason why I came with you guys was for communication and I just don't feel like I'm getting it. And I, I headed it off right there. I said, hey, listen, you can say whatever you want about us, but I, I, I don't think this is an accurate statement. You've had 14 change orders. You've sent me 32 emails and I've responded every time. I said, what I feel like you're having here is you're getting a little stress from the job going on. You got a move in date. And I said, that is acceptable. And I can understand that. I can't change it. But I was like, let's have a phone call. Got the guy on the phone. He said, you know what, John, you guys are rock stars. I understand. He's like, my wife's on my butt about this. I am stressing out. He's like, I, I didn't mean to lash out. You guys are good. Instead of me just being like, eh, I'm going to screw this guy. I just headed it off. And I tell people, it's like, this is my face. I'm not smiling. I'm not angry. I'm emotionless into it because you have to be in construction. So, you know, you get all these different situations where you've back to the reviews. You've got to, you do have to kind of filter them. I mean, in a way I, I, I do a thing where I kind of, do a follow-up call. Just wanted to say, hey, thanks for using us. Uh, was it a great experience? Oh, you guys were awesome. You can always hear the key words. And then I say, hey, would you mind writing a review? No problem. Well, there you go. One, two, three, they hit the marks and I know I can send them uh, a review request. If people at the beginning of it say, well, you know, I wasn't happy or this could have been done better. I know it seems like cheating, but it's like, okay, well, probably not a good idea. That's why I don't use like an automated review service. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's just a bad idea. Now, some people could probably say I'm sandbagging bad reviews. Um, I'll let you say that, but I can tell you, like, my company is predicated on trying to do the best all the time. And I stay up at night worrying about my reviews. So I'm not worried telling people that, you know? Totally. And like, I, I don't, I wouldn't even call that sandbagging because like you said, like people are anomalies and if for whatever reason you have one of those anomalies who, you know, are a difficult, difficult person to work with, uh, 
they're going to be difficult to anybody they work with. So it's just like, okay, do I want that on there? Even though, yeah, I did work with them and they weren't happy with X, Y, and Z, uh, which was out of my control, you know, a closing date, his wife yelling at him, something like that. Like, yeah, 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 no, definitely makes sense. And we'll start to, we'll start to just kind of wrap things up here. So I like asking a question like this because I I think it's kind of fun to um, hear your answers, but like, let's look back in time here, right? You have to start over, completely start over do it again no social proof no reviews nothing like that I mean where today in today's you know day and age where are you starting what kind of what are you doing to get leads what are you doing to uh you know find good people what what's that look like I you know I it's easy to say oh it wouldn't change anything I think I would definitely go into the repair game because it's the softest, cheapest, easiest entry into remodeling. You know, you, you mm. need a truck, a set of tools and yourself. If it was literally go back to ground zero for me yeah. and I had to do it myself. Um, and I think in this day and age, there's so many um, di- different social media platforms from next door to Instagram to Facebook, all these different places where you can organically grow, you know, small business when you're just yourself you don't need a whole, whole lot of money. You need enough money to pay your bills and all that. Now, when you're growing your business, you know, it it takes time. So what I have with an office building I own and the trucks and the dump trailers and project managers, you know, you grow into those shoes, so to speak. So I think, you know, looking back, I would have done the same thing, um, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, maybe even stayed in the repair area and tried to perfect the repair area because there's not a lot of guys that do it well and for all those reasons i kind of just kind of grew out of it organically because people asked me to start doing bigger and bigger stuff but you know you don't necessarily have to do bigger stuff to make a lot of money there's places guys around here in charleston that uh, they do residential repairs for real estate agents and probably make six figures a year easily, you know? So I think if I was to do it over, I'd probably stay in the, and and try to capture that niche market and say, this is all I'm going to be doing. I'm not going to worry about building screen porches and additions. I'm going to be your repair guy for any and everything. You're going, you're going real narrow and real deep, just focusing on that, making, you know, perfecting that and then building your business off of that. Yep. And, like and organically, your business will grow bigger and you can, you know, if yeah. you have the capacity and the subcontractors and whatnot to do it, you can then go into, you know, framing up additions and stuff like that. But the core of it is those smaller jobs, I think. Totally, totally. And Jonah, where can, uh, where can people learn more about you? Where can people learn more about Cantor Construction? Where, where can we find you at? Yeah. So on Instagram, we're easy enough. We're Canner Construction. That's kind of our little bit of a photo bucket where we like to put a bunch of our, um, you know, pictures of projects some of the fun stuff. We're on boats and whatnot. Um, biggest place, if you want to check me out, is our website. That's SC for SouthCarolina.com. Um, that's a great place if you want to kind of check in and, and see some of the stuff we've done. Um, as well as I've written two articles about the industry and things that I think are helpful for contractors. So they can definitely um, go there and, and uh, check out what we've written. Totally. And definitely check out the website. Definitely check out the Instagram too, because when I found Jonah, I was looking around and his Instagram stood out to me so much. And we had this conversation on our original call. Uh, You guys should check it out because me being, you know, just kind of the the person I am, I really like stuff that's different. And I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of homeowners are the same way where they kind of know what to expect with, you know, certain websites, certain Instagrams and they're like, okay, home remodeling, gotcha. Jonah's was just such like a pattern interrupt for me. I saw that and I was like, holy shit, like this is kind of cool. I never, I got to reach out to this dude. And then obviously we, uh, 
you know, brings us to today. But Jonah, thanks for the time today, brother. Really, really appreciate you being on here. Yeah, thanks again. Hopefully we can do this again. And uh, sure. hopefully a bunch of people learned a little something about contracting and life in general from us. Right on, right on. Well, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time.